Hi, and welcome back to an episode of For the Wildflowers podcast. Today, me and my friend Katie are opening up the conversation about mental health, which is something we are both very, very passionate about and very excited for. Hope you enjoy today's episode, and if you could, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on our Instagram at For the Wildflowers podcast. Hope you enjoy today's episode, and thank you for joining us. Okay. We're back. Another episode. Well, not another episode. It's been like a year and a half since I've posted an episode. My bad. Um, But today we have one of my friends, Katie, with us, and she is going to be here talking about mental health, which is something we're both very passionate about. I know you're an advocate for, and you've really opened up on Instagram lately and just social media in general about your journey with mental health. So first of all, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on here. Um, So first of all, for someone who may be listening, who maybe doesn't struggle with mental health, um, what would you say it's like dealing with that and not only dealing with mental health, but specifically what you um, struggle with? Yeah, so I would say that it's different for every person who struggles with mental illness. Not only are there different types of forms that mental illness can manifest in things, but also with somebody who has a similar disorder to me, it could manifest differently in their lives. And so for me, I have bipolar type 2. I was diagnosed this past summer, and what that means for me is that there will be weeks consistently where I will just be in a complete depression. It'll be hard to get up out of bed. It will just feel like heavy and dark all the way around me. Mm-hmm. Um, my energy is so low. My mind can't really string together a thought. Um, and then it could be within the span of an hour. could be within the span of a night or just a full day. Um, I'll switch to what's called hypomania. And that's like a milder form of mania. Um, And that means I start to think that the world is my oyster. (laughs) And um, I have all of these ideas that I need to complete. I have all these tasks that I want to do. The world is in like extra bright color. Mm -hmm. And I think that I can do anything and that any idea that I have is going to work. Um, And... It's just, I start tripping over my words. I start tripping over my thoughts in my mind. And it's, a, it's again, I can't string together a thought, but it's because my mind is moving so fast, mm-hmm. not that my mind is moving so slow. Right. Um, and so I can sit there anywhere between four days to two weeks to a full season. Um, it There's no, for me personally, there's no really telling. I don't have a pattern. Mm. Um, It is just that the depression will last longer than two weeks and that the hypomania will last longer than four days. But that's the only sort of pattern that I have to go off of. Right. There's no telling. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Because I remember when we talked a couple months ago, you said you went so long not knowing what you actually had because they kept telling you, I think it was that you were just had depression. Is that right? It was. Yeah. yeah. So what made them decide, I mean, I guess all of what you just said, how it would go in between from like really highs and then really lows. Yeah. So all the way growing up, um, well, actually kind of more of a backstory growing up. I grew up in a house to where mental illness was always talked about. My father is actually bipolar as well. Um, and that's all that's awesome to sorry but that's awesome to grow up in a house where that's talked about yes that really is great I did not realize until the past six months how lucky I was to have the information that I had going into what I was going through Mm -hmm. um and so where were we (laughs) give me a second your dad had it 
Yes. Yeah. What was the question before that, though? <laughs> what made them decide between the oh, two? Oh, okay. Yes, that was yeah. it. Okay. So my dad being bipolar, um, it was just always talked about of um, even whenever my I was younger, my father was also hospitalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever I was young, my parents just talked about the conversations around mental health being like, daddy has to take medication so that he can be a good father to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just in a very healthy way that they were saying, like, this is helping our family. This isn't something that is hurting our family. Um, And so my parents always knew that I was predisposed because mental illness is genetic. Um, So they always knew that there was a possibility. But growing up, it could be easily brushed off as, well, you're just growing up. Right. You're going through all your hormones. You're because I'm still very young, so it was a reasonable explanation. I get it. Right. Um, but even in middle school, I would be having panic attacks and having to sit in the hallway. They took me to go see a therapist, um, and they just said that I had an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And then throughout high school, I started to become very depressed, and I again went to go see a doctor, and they just said, "Oh, you have depression and anxiety." And then. I would take the medication that they had given me, um, and this is like a fun fact about bipolar patients, but if you are, the like golden combination for bipolar patients with medication is a mood stabilizer and an antidepressant. I was only on an antidepressant, and so that actually would send me into hypomania because I didn't have the mood stabilizer as well. And so I would like feel great. And I would be like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I'm healed. This is amazing. Um, And then I would just be like, I don't want to take this medication any longer. So I wouldn't, which I do not recommend. Uh, That is, like, a very bad thing to do. Um, But I would just say, like, no, I don't need this anymore. So I'm going to stop taking this medication. And so I would. And then a few months later, it would happen all over again. And I would just kept on feeling so defeated because I felt like I was in this cycle that I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I just kept on telling myself, like, well, I must just be like in a hard season of depression. I must just be in a hard season of life. I know that it won't stay this way forever. I know that at one point I will feel better. I just don't know when that is. Um, And it wasn't until I want to say last summer I started to experience physical symptoms in my body of my body trying to throw me red flags saying Mm -hmm. something isn't right. You need to go get help. Um, And of course, it was right before I was getting married. So all the stress was on my body. (laughs) Right, right. And uh, all the family tensions, all of the wedding stress, all of everything. It was just all starting to come together. And so I thought, well, in my mind, it's just stress. And the more that I thought about it, um, the more that I started researching into it, because, you know, we all love to go to Google whenever Mm -hmm. things are wrong. Um, (laughs) Which is not a good idea. No, no. no. (laughs) Um, It's good for information. It's not good for diagnosis. And so I thought maybe I just had a hormonal imbalance. Um, And I was like, yeah, that must be it. So I found, uh, because through this entire time, I didn't have health insurance. Mm -hmm. So I tried to find an affordable family doctor and I went and he started asking me about my history. He started asking me about um, all of my symptoms. And he said, I want you to trust me. Um, And I really think that this is a mental illness that has not been treated correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds, he's like, you have mood disorders in your past, but you've only been diagnosed with depression or anxiety. Um, He's like, I'm not trying to label you with anything. I'm not trying to diagnose you firmly right here. Right. But he's like, give me 60 days and we'll see how you feel after this medication. Then we'll go from there and we'll be tracking all of your other symptoms to make sure that you're still like healthy and that nothing's wrong. Right. 
Um, so he put me on just an antidepressant again. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you start to feel like there's so much energy in your body or like you start to feel not like yourself, I need you to call me and come back right away. So two weeks later that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I was driving my car and I felt like I didn't even know who I was, where I was. I didn't know what was happening. Um, and I just felt so unlike myself being such like a very self-aware independent person. Mm-hmm. It was terrifying. So I pulled over into an Ingalls parking lot and called my dad and he was able to get me into my doctor. And then that's where they firmly diagnosed me of saying, you do have bipolar disorder Oh wow! and explaining like with this one medication, he was like, I was, um, just he's like I thought that it may have been bipolar but I wasn't exactly sure but now that you have passed this point of going into like hypomania and I've been able to see that I can now firmly diagnose you yeah um and so that's how I was diagnosed it was a whirlwind Mm -hmm. um (laughs) it was very exhausting but I was just finally happy to have an answer because it felt like for so long I was just being tossed around and just not that the doctors beforehand didn't do a good job, but maybe it was just that I wasn't even having all of the answers yet and right. I didn't know how to talk about it correctly. Right. And um, even going through, you know, being a teenager and stuff and dealing with that when you're younger, I feel like that can be brushed off yeah. because of like what you said. They can say, oh, it's just your hormones. You're just being a teenager. You're just, you know, going through all those emotions. You're yeah. not actually sad. You're not actually depressed or you're yeah. not actually having mood swings. It's just, you know, because of your hormones, which like partially that may be true, but, but the partially, same time, there's right, another side to right. it. Yeah. Exactly. There's always another side to things. And I just, I'm like, I'm glad that you advocated for yourself when it came to that because it's so important. And I think people brush off, not just doctors apparently, but like people in general will brush off mental health things because in their eyes and in the world's eyes, a lot of, um, any, a lot of anything to do with mental health is like a completely separate category when it comes to like physical health. Like physical health is looked at as like very serious and like, oh my gosh, you have cancer, you need to go get treatment, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of that is because you can actually see it. So I guess you can understand the like value of like how serious it is. But like, I wish people would understand how important mental health is, even though you can't see it. Do you know what I mean? No, Um, absolutely. And I think too, when it comes to the diagnosis, I actually had conversations with my doctor then when he had diagnosed me. And I said, I don't understand why has it taken so long for me to get a firm diagnosis that actually fit and that actually like took 21 years for me to get the help that I needed. Mm -hmm. And he said that mood disorders are some of the most misdiagnosed things in the mental health world. Right. um, Because there's just so many specific specifications. Um, And that was something that I did not know and at least comforted me a little bit knowing that he was able to see things and he was even working with a friend um, who was a doctor at a different practice to ask him all of the questions of Mm -hmm. saying, hey, I have this patient and these are her symptoms. Um, So... I think with um, the diagnosis too, it's all about having a doctor that you trust to also advocate for you as well. Um, If a doctor just seems to be rushing it off or just seems to be trying to get you medication um, without explaining things or fully listening, then I would say that that's a red flag and maybe it's time to have that conversation with them or maybe it's also just time to find a different doctor who you feel like actually listens as they're trying to treat you. Right, right. And if no one else is going to listen to you, your doctor should. You yes. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. If your doctor's not listening to we you, hope. maybe <laughs> you need to try again. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what made you open up on social media? Because I know you've like really like 
went hard on social media advocating for mental health and just mental health awareness and everything, which I think is so important and is the reason we're doing this. Um, But what made you want to say, okay, I'm willing to like share my story with the world and open up about my whole situation? Yeah, I think... I think even before mental illness um, even became like such a big role in my life, I was always somebody who, if we sat down across the table from each other, I was an open book. Mm-hmm. Um, so being open with people is not something that's new to me. I think just being open to people on such a large platform is something that's new to me. Right. Um, but I always wished growing up that there was somebody a little bit older and a little bit wiser that had more information that was saying things that made me feel known. Right. I felt like specifically in the mental illness um, and mental health world, I didn't see a lot of people talking about it and I didn't feel very known and I just felt very lost and confused. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of my, a lot of my words around mental health and the things that I share in my post, I always say sweet friend all the time. Mm It's because I truly want people who are reading my words and resonating with them to feel like a sweet friend because I didn't feel like I had that. Right. Um, and so I just want people to feel known and to feel less alone in it because it's something that's so isolating and so lonely at times. Right. Um, that it's not even... I think I'm advocating for it as I'm doing it because people are seeing it and they're saying, oh, she's talking about mental health. But it's more so I feel like my work is for the people who are actually experiencing it, who need a friend, who feel like that nobody around them understands. Yeah, right. And going into that, I want to talk about, um, because I know this has happened to me before, and I'm sure it's happened to you, um, where you approach someone who maybe doesn't struggle with any mental health problems, and you open up to them just because maybe you are an open book already, so it's easy for you to talk about, or you need to talk to someone about it. And they're very awkward and they don't know how to respond and (laughs) they just like kind of sit there and it almost makes you feel worse. So you leave like, why did I just tell them that? I feel so (laughs) stupid. Um, So what's your advice to someone who doesn't struggle with mental health? How, How would you tell them to approach the situation where someone is telling them about, you know, their depression or about how they feel maybe even like suicidal thoughts or something like that? How would you tell them to respond to that situation? Yeah, um, I'm laughing because I have definitely dealt with yeah. this. Oh, me too. Me too, like <laughs> um, hundreds of times. So many times. Um, and I think you're right. It's just because I am such an open book that for me, it's just easy to share. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would say when it comes to being the person that is sharing about your depression, your anxiety, your mental illness, your mental health just in general, um, I would say choose carefully who it is that you share with and that's not in a way to isolate yourself further and that's not in a way to pick favorite friends or anything like that. It's just that that is something that is so sacred of you Mm -hmm. and that is something that is such a big reality for you that sharing it with some people, if they don't respond well, it can hurt worse. Um, And so I think it's just picking the few specific people, um, even if that means talking to a friend and say, hey... saying hey um I want to share this with you but I want to know if you're comfortable with that right um I think that that's something that even asking that question could maybe put the friend at more ease to be receptive of it um I've had to do that with even family members I've had to do that with um friends with mentors everything like that of, of just saying hey is it okay that I share this with you 
Um, and that just kind of sets everybody's tension more at ease mm-hmm. instead of it being like a very like like abrupt like hey yes I'm depressed <laughs> by the way <laughs> by the way yeah right uh, yeah and then I think when it comes to being the person who may not know what it's like to deal with mental health um, and mental illness every day if a friend comes to you and talks to you about it I would say the biggest thing it sounds cheesy but really is just to listen um, I think yes being like a good friend and giving advice and trying to care for them but sometimes the most caring thing we can do is listen right um I would say maybe hold back on the advice and the encouragement um maybe wait until a different day to say those things if the person is coming to you that day they obviously feel like that the world is on top of their shoulders and they just need to say something so that the weight can release just a little bit so maybe that wouldn't be the day to give any advice but it's definitely the day to encourage and to say hey I'm here with you right right yeah how would you this is the same kind of thing but for instance if it's a kid going to a parent because that relationship's a little different yeah um I mean it depends with everybody but how would you say for a parent to respond to maybe their child saying hey I struggle with this or maybe even the child not saying anything at all because I feel like um being a wife of a youth pastor yeah um you you see behind the scenes a lot of younger kids who are struggling with things like that yeah and either the parents know about it and they just have never had a conversation they just kind of like know and sit both knowing that each other know but don't ever talk about it yeah or they've had a conversation but it's turned out really awkward and they don't neither probably knows how to respond because one's a 13 year old who still (laughs) doesn't quite know how to communicate and then the other person doesn't know how to appropriately respond to that situation because they've never experienced it before yeah so how would you say if a if a fan in a family unit in a um, mom and daughter or father and son or whatever yeah how would how would you say is the best way because I know you came from a family where you you did talk about it yeah so how would you say is the best way to communicate the feelings and it not get really awkward yeah I would definitely say um that's a very great question by the way um I would definitely say that when I remember being that young and feeling as if I had no control whatsoever, not only was I a kid and my parents calling the shots for me and I was respecting that, but I felt like I couldn't control my mind. I couldn't control my body. I couldn't control my thoughts. I couldn't control anything. And it just felt like it was so spiraling, um, that that would send me into a a depression and I would feel just terrible for days. And I think that what my parents did that like looking back, I respected so much was that instead of just saying, hey, like we're going to go get you help. We're going to go do this. Instead of just making that call for me, they sat down with me and they asked, what do you need in order to feel better? Mm -hmm. And then they allowed me and they kind of coached me to come to the conclusion of, I think I need to go see somebody and I think I need to go to therapy. Right. And it was, they involved me in that decision rather than just forcing that decision on me. Um, because therapy for the first time, especially that young, it's a very different world. Oh yeah, I can imagine. It is, it is very good. It, they give you a lot of coping mechanisms. I still use some of the things that I learned from going to therapy in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like a whole new different world and unless in certain circumstances, I know that the parent sits in the room, but a lot of the times you sit your kid in front of a stranger that is a licensed therapist and you trust them to help your child. Right. And so as the kid in that, being able to see that and being aware of that is just a little, um, 
it's a little scary and it's a little new. Um, so I would say the parents being able to come to the child and saying, Hey, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And being able to help coach the child to say, I need therapy. I need to talk to somebody. Um, I, and even with that, it might open up other things of what are the stressors that are causing your child to experience depression and anxiety. And then who else can I get to come be on my team to help my child succeed? Right. Right. That's awesome. So what, um, what have you experienced in the past where, or what, what have you done to help cope with the things like you write I know you've mentioned going to therapy yeah and you've mentioned medication um what works best for you and what would you recommend what would you not recommend doing yeah um I know a lot of people um when it comes to therapy or even medication um it's looked down upon it's almost like an embarrassment to even talk about it's like it's like oh my gosh god forbid anyone know that I go to therapy (laughs) they might think I'm a weirdo who can't control their emotions or like yeah you know heaven forbid somebody knows that I take medication for mental health because they might think I'm crazy you know what I mean um so what would you recommend for people because I I know personally I've never went to therapy but I would totally go to therapy yeah I I mean even you know in a situation where maybe I'm not necessarily going through something where I feel very depressed at the moment or really anxious I feel like therapy's great almost whenever yeah because you're you're able to talk to someone and not only are you able to talk to someone you're able to talk to a professional who can respond in the ways that they know is going to help you and also give you coping mechanisms and just everything like that and something I think is really cool which I think you've looked into too which is um a lot of mental health things are caused now I'm not saying I mean, I know there's, you know, genetic things for sure. Um, and some things you definitely cannot control. But, like, some mental health things are caused from traumatic situations. Yeah. But some of those situations you may not even realize were traumatic for you. Yes. Um, like, situations maybe that something that happened when you were a kid that you have never even maybe thought about again, but that triggered something in you and has caused you to feel the way that you felt the last 15 years without re- realizing it. Yeah. So that's why I think it's important to be able to go to therapy because they can point out those things and like teach you how to respond to situations yeah. differently rather than taking all that emotion and like bottling it up or, you know, doing whatever you do. Um, so what would you recommend for someone who maybe has never been to therapy or needs a way to cope? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think therapy is great for anybody and everyone, um, regardless of age, anything. Um, therapy, like you said, it's a way that you just are able to understand what's actually going on and that like I didn't have the knowledge to understand what was going on in my head beforehand and the things that I felt in my body and um so I definitely think that it is great for everyone and I personally have found that is where I have found the most help is within therapy um for me I'm a person who chooses to partake in therapy and medication other people with mental illness say that they believe that therapy and medication hinder some sort of their creativity hinder something um just their way of life they don't feel like themselves when Mm -hmm. they're on it for me I feel myself when I'm on it it's when I don't take my medication and when I'm not going to therapy regularly that I don't feel like myself and I feel like I start to get lost right Um, so for me, definitely therapy and medication are how I cope with things, but on the more like, I guess, recreational side of things that Mm -hmm. I would say, um, I really believe that showing on social media is like a part of the way of how I cope, um, of just being able to connect with other people literally across the world that I have never met before and us being able to 
share a comment or a direct message back and forth with each other just being like hey I get it and I just want you to know that like you're not alone those messages mean so much to me um because I think like I said it can feel isolating so whenever somebody can just kind of give you a shoulder tap and be like I know exactly what it is that you're talking about and you're not alone that means so much um so that and I would say if it's something like hiking if it's something like drawing something like reading um I would just I was thinking about this earlier and I would definitely recommend that you find something that you can do with other people and by yourself Mm -hmm. hiking might be a little dangerous to do by yourself depending on where you're going um but because there are going to be times whenever you're really struggling that you just need to be by yourself to be able to be alone with your thoughts and to process them and to face them head on. Right. And then other times those thoughts are going to be too scary that you don't want to be alone. Right. Um, so you want to make sure that whatever it is that you're partaking in in order to cope, you can do with other people and by yourself. And it's something that transcends both of those worlds. Right. Yeah. I know for me, um, I mean, I've been writing since I was a kid. Um, and journals and stuff, you know, just like writing feelings or like writing to God and just everything like that. And that has been, I've realized as I've gotten older, that was me coping with feelings that I couldn't either felt like I couldn't express to other people or wasn't even in the right headspace to realize I need to express this. Yes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. So I would just write about it. And so that has been such a big coping mechanism or even just like I mean, just helpful in general. It's like therapy to me. Yes, Honestly, it really. is. It's, I mean, no one's responding to me. I'm just writing down on a piece of paper. Yeah. But it's releasing emotions without having to feel like I need to carry this on my shoulders. Even yes. though you didn't actually tell someone. Yes. You, like, wrote it down. So you're, like, getting it out in a sense. Yeah, but it's still getting it out. Right, yeah. right. So that's always, for sure, helped me. I mean, I've never, like, hiked. I'm not a... Not I'm not a, a hiker do either, I look, don't worry. Yeah, I hate do I, hiking. Yeah, do I look like I'm going to I've go gone hiking. multiple times and I've hated it every I time. <laughs> we, me and Evan went, tried to go hiking at like a place in Greenville one time. And um, I remember we made it, well, first of all, we had to sign the paperwork that the um, park rangers made us sign. Oh. And they were like, oh, you know, be careful. There might be bears. And there also might Casual. be. Casual. Like he's being dead serious. He's like, <laughs> if there's a bear, don't run. Because, like, it's just going to chase you. Just stand there. And But at first, I thought he was kidding. So I start laughing, and he just standing there, dead face, like, looking at me like, no, I'm being very serious. Did you guys see a bear? No, we didn't. Okay, Because good. we <laughs> only hiked, like, maybe maybe 30 steps. Because we, we didn't realize that the hike was just basically stairs, like, oh, for three mm-hmm. miles. And I was like, there's no way I'm no going to do this for two and a half hours to the top, and then two and a half hours back down. Like, there's no way. But if that's for you, go, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I know some people that I hiking, mean, like, is their, like, heaven. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, they yeah. love it. Which I think... And I applaud them. Yeah, I do. I'm not that person. I do. I mean, I love nature. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. But if you give me the option to drive to the top of the mountain Amen. versus hike, <laughs> I'm going to drive. I'm yes. going to drive up there, and I'm going to sit down and write. <laughs> yes. That's what I'm going to do. Um, anyway, so is there anything... Um, I know from learning about your diagnosis and just from experiencing, you know, all the like medical side of things for the past, I mean, years that you've yeah. dealt with this, what's the, what's the stuff you've learned, like medical facts that you've learned that yeah. you could share with people? Cause I, like I said earlier, a lot of people think mental health is just like made up and it's just like something you can control. It's in your head. It's just emotion and it's not actually a problem. Yeah. Um, and it, it is. So if you want to talk a little bit about that and just like anything else yeah. from the medical perspective, which are, I mean, we're neither of us are in the medical field, No, but, but like, yeah. I, know, <laughs> I know for sure, you know what you're talking about and you've got this from medical professionals and yeah. stuff. So 
Yeah, I would definitely um, say that a lot of what I have learned was just through observation, Um, especially within the past year, I had gotten to a point to where me, like I said, being the high functioning individual person that I am, my depression came to a point to where I was scared to be alone. Not that I was fearful that I was going to hurt myself or hurt others, but just that my thoughts were spiraling so downward Mm -hmm. that I it was just scary to be alone and left with my own thoughts. Um, So once it came to that point, I knew that it was time that I like needed to go to inpatient care Mm -hmm. and I needed to get medication right. I needed to talk to people. I needed to be like in a contained environment for a little bit um, in order to get the help that I needed. And that was where I learned a lot in a very short amount of time. Um, I, it's sad to say that like, I have learned a lot of facts, yes, about the diagnoses and um, about the different illnesses and the way that it affects different people. But a lot of what I have learned, too, is that specifically, like, South Carolina is within the bottom three for the past, like, three years, I think it is, at least the bottom five of the states for the worst mental health care. Wow. Um, And that was something that they actually told us in the hospital. And they said, you need to know that you have to advocate for yourself because your state is not the best at doing it for you. That is crazy. Um, That is wild. It is very wild. And if anything, it was encouraging to me that a licensed professional who was in the hospital was letting me know, hey, you're doing a good job at advocating for yourself. You did a good job at checking yourself in here. Mm -hmm. They also did not see a lot of people voluntarily walk in to the psychiatric ward of a hospital. Right. It was mostly court-ordered. It was mostly... Um, family members ordered and probate and everything like that Um, and so for them to sit there and say like you're gonna have to advocate for yourself and it's gonna take some work on your end know that we're doing our best for our state to become better but as of right now it's not Mm -hmm. Um, that was something that really shook me um, and it spurred me on to become even more of an advocate for myself than I was Mm -hmm. and I think that that's what taught me how to advocate for others Um, and then within that being bipolar specifically, there are two types of bipolar. It's bipolar type one and bipolar type two. So like I said, growing up, my father was also bipolar. He's type one while I am type two. Um, the difference is, is that bipolar type one patients, um, they experience, they can experience um, full-blown mania, psychosis, um, hallucinations, anything like that. Once they get up to their hypomanic and then manic state, mm-hmm. For bipolar type 2 patients, we never reach full mania. We only go to the hypomanic. Um, So it's that's why I say it's a little bit of a milder. It's not that the way of life is a little bit more milder, and it's not that the illness is a little bit more milder. It's just that we never hit that last tier of going to full-blown mania. It's just different. Um, But it's so similar that it's just categorized as 1 and 2. And then with that... um, Sorry, I was trying to think of the word of what it is. There's another one below that, but I don't know what it is. Somebody on Instagram yelled at me for not including it. <laughs> That's like why I thought about it. Anyway, I'm not going to. Um, but yeah, so there's all different forms and kinds, even within like when you think of schizophrenia, we all, I feel like in our mind, have one idea of schizophrenia, but I've even done some research into that just because it pops up all the time with bipolar. And so I can see these infographics mm-hmm. and there are so many different types of schizophrenia that are way less like 
I don't want to say crazy. That's not the word that I want to use, but way more like out there than right. what we're thinking like of. Way more intense. Way more right. intense. Yeah. There's way more like subdued versions of that. Um, so I think I challenge like anybody, regardless if you struggle or if you don't, you will at one point come in, in your life, come into contact with somebody who struggles with mental illness mm-hmm. and is trying to take care of their mental health. I think everyone should try to take care of their mental health, whether they think that they have an illness or not. Um, so I would just challenge for like the education part of it, as much education as you can have, the more power it's going to be for you as you're advocating for yourself or advocating for others. Right. My mother, for example, she growing up had to advocate for my father while he was going through all of his treatments. And I mean, when I say she advocated, she fought so hard for my dad's health. Um, And she, through that, learned so much about bipolar, learned so much about the healthcare system and the state that we were living in, Mm -hmm. um, and really, like, went above and beyond. And she learned so much knowledge through that that she was so quickly able to advocate for me when I felt like I couldn't even advocate for myself when I was going to the hospital. That's awesome. Um, And she's somebody who's never really had to deal with that. She's definitely struggled with anxiety and depression, but it hasn't been, like, a disorder or a diagnosis. Right. Right. Um, and so for her to even only know a little touch of that, but to be able to advocate so much for her family members, it's like truly done so much for our family. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, on the other side of things, cause I know with you, your mental health is something that is what you said earlier is genetic. It's in your mm-hmm. genes. Um, and what about for people, you know, like what's your advice for people who maybe went through something very traumatic and that's led them into a depression. Um, for instance, a lot of sexual assault vic- victims, maybe, yeah. um, or even someone who just experienced trauma in the home, like domestic violence, or just even um, what's it called, like mental violence yeah. um, or emotional violence. Um, what's your advice to those people who are struggling now with depression or anxiety or you know whatever it is? Um, would you suggest maybe the same thing, therapy? Um, and then what, just what's your thoughts on that whole thing? Yeah. So I definitely would recommend therapy, but there is a specific type of therapy that I think, um, has very much helped me in some of my traumatic experiences. Um, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Um, and that's to where essentially whenever we go through trauma our brain is now rewired a new way to react a new way as soon as we go around those same stimuli Mm -hmm. what cognitive behavioral therapy does is it rewires the way that your brain thinks so that you don't go back to those um like to that trauma and your body isn't reminded of that trauma because we can also hold that trauma within our body in certain parts of it i've had therapists ask me when you feel like you're shutting down, at what part in your body do you feel it? And I'll say my stomach. And they'll like, yeah, that makes sense. And here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I'm still learning about there. But with the cognitive behavioral therapy, having somebody, a licensed professional, be able to walk you through rewiring to where your brain is no longer going down the path of that trauma over and over again, but you're able to redirect it to a different thought and think through the trauma rather than just go straight to it. Um, That is something that I definitely recommend and that has helped me through some of my trauma. Especially when you go through something traumatic um, that was put on you from another person, whether it was intentional or not. Um, I feel like not only are you dealing with 
I mean, this, I'm not even speaking from personal experience. I'm just speaking from what I understand about it. Um, But not only are you going through maybe hatred towards yourself, but you're going through hatred towards that other person. So like therapy to even like, you know, separate those and say, this was not my fault. This was not anything that I did wrong. This was this person's fault. This happened to me. And then not taking out the anger on yourself because I mean, like, that wasn't put on you know what I'm saying that was yes, put on you no, definitely you had nothing to do with that that's not your fault and I don't think you should it I just hate that people have to suffer for something that someone else did do you know what I mean yes. like mental health wise or physical or anything like yeah. that um because I feel like that is that's maybe where for, for my experience with um you know mental health that's maybe where I would say it's a little different because for me, sometimes you think, why am I so sad? It's like, it's my fault. I'm so mad. Like, what yeah. am I doing? Am I just like, am I just digging a hole and sitting in it myself? You know what I'm saying? Am I yeah. like, digging a hole for myself over here and like just being sad for no reason? And it almost becomes like a hatred towards yourself yeah. because of the way you're like, thinking. Like, I should be happy. Why right, am I not? Right. Yeah. Like, my life is great. Why am I not happy? You know, what? blah, blah, blah. Um, and I feel like maybe with someone who experiences trauma that was put on them by someone else the hatred I mean I know they have hatred towards their self but the hatred also that they have for that person or those people that did whatever to them yeah um so dealing with with that in therapy which I'm sure they do yeah um to help you cope with not basically what am I trying to say to to separate those yeah and say this was not my fault I'm I'm struggling with this this was done to me not hating that person or at least trying not to, you know, think about that person all the time. And like what you said, go, not going back to the, what's stimulating yeah. all of those problems, all of the, the way you cope and the way you respond to certain situations yeah. since whatever has happened to you has happened. Yeah. And I think too, by going to therapy for things like trauma and different things that were traumatic that could have happened to you, you'll eventually hit a point to where your therapist hopefully will teach you ways that you can talk yourself out of it and not in like a rude and demeaning way, but just in like, they're giving you the tools that you need in order to do this yourself. Right. Um, and that is so empowering that eventually you'll hit a point to where if you do come around the same stimuli, you'll feel like you know what to do instead of being frozen. Like you may have been last time. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is very important. Yeah. To be able to have that and to have that resource. Yeah. Which again, like I've never been to therapy, but I, I do actually think that is so important. Yeah. And I believe in that a hundred thousand percent. Yes. And I think part of the reason I believe in it is because I do write. So yeah. from writing stuff down, I know how important it is to just like even get it out. Yes. Um, My therapist tell me all the time to write. I do write. Right. Yes. Right. I also do in the same way that you do, but they're like, that is the greatest thing you could do. Yes. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is so awesome. So is there anything else you want to talk about with mental health or anything, any fun facts, you know? <laughs> fun facts. Um, <laughs> the fun fact is that uh, every one in four people struggle with mental health. Oh, yeah. And so literally it is you will come in contact with somebody who struggles. Um, so I, like I said, I think the challenge is just to educate yourself as much as you mm-hmm. can in the moments that you can. Yeah. Um, and being open to the people who are struggling because there are a lot Right. Um, and I think just being a friend. And to be, to put that in perspective, that is more people than people who have cancer. 
Yes. And so, and we treat cancer like it's a really big deal, and it is a big deal. But if we would just treat mental health the same way we treated cancer, I believe it would be completely different. The world we live in, the way people talk about mental health, and... The way insurance is set up. The way insurance is set up. Don't even get me started on that. (laughs) We already talked right before this. I said, I'm going to... When I run for president, which will never happen probably, but when I run for president, my thing is going to be, why does insurance not cover half the things it needs to for mental health? Yes. It's crazy. And then there's pre-existing conditions where it's harder for me to get on health care because I've already been diagnosed. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, but that was also thing. something I watched my family walk through growing up of like how expensive it was going to be for my father to have health care. Right, right, which is crazy. If it's I had enough crazy. money, yeah. I think about this all the time. I don't know if you watch YouTube. Yes. David Dobrik. Literally. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but he gives away stuff all the time. And I'm just like, if I, which I think is awesome. Yes. It's so awesome yeah. that he does that. But if I had the amount of money he had, I would just pay for people to go to therapy. Yes. Or to have, oh, that's such a good idea. Or to have um, the means to, you know, pay for the medication they need for mental health or whatever because yes. insurance does not cover it, which is crazy to me. It's just it ridiculous. Not, I know. But um, we're hopefully moving there, though. Yeah, I think hopefully. that they got some things up in the house that yeah. they're trying, bills they're trying oh, to pass I, for. I hope so. I'm going to, do I need to go and stand outside the, the building? I will, believe yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> me and you, road trip. Yeah. Road trip. Um, but, anyways, but thank Thank you for coming. Thank yes. you for coming on today. It was so I much really, fun. really appreciate it. You have no idea. Yes, this I love is it. The first episode back in a very long time, so I'm very happy. I'm so excited that you're doing. It again. I'm. Thank you. Yeah. I'm. I'm happy to be back, and I'm really happy for this episode because this is something that I'm very passionate about talking about, and I know you are too. Yeah. So I just want I'm to truly thank you for doing honored this. you asked. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Oh, that was something. I don't know what that Whoa. was. Anyways, all right. Well, this is it.